Welcome to Build Your Tribe with your host, Shalene Johnson. Yo, what is up? This is Build Your Tribe 2.0, where I answer your questions about anything related to owning, operating, and growing your business. My name is Shalene Johnson, and you name it, I've done it in business, from selling knives door-to-door to infomercials to used car lots to online businesses. I've either done it or I've coached somebody else to a level of success that you too can achieve. You just need to know the formula to have a little persistence and some inside information. And so that's what we're going to do here. I'm going to answer your questions. No question too small, no question too big. If I can't answer it, I'll tell you where you can probably find the answer. You can ask your questions by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash ask Shaleen. So let's get to it, y'all. Okay, true confession. Most of the topics are, well, I mean, they're kind of self-serving pursuits for me to improve myself. Truth be told, I say I'm doing it for you, but I'm really doing it like for us. I'm in this with you. You guys leave me messages and you'll say, Shaleen, I'm a lifer, but I want you to know I'm your lifer. Like we're in this together at the same time. So I've been studying something for more than 25 years, and it's not fitness, it's not design, it's not business, it's not social media, it's not exercise, it's not nutrition. Nope. It's successful people. I'm fascinated by the details that separate an average person from those people who seem like they just have this ridiculously amazing life. Now, most successful people seem to share a series of morning rituals most all of which I can say I've been able to adopt. Not overnight, it's taken some time, but most all of these habits I've made a part of my own morning ritual. Nearly all of them. I can honestly say that I think of myself as being pretty successful by my own definition. Yes, of course, that includes you know my financial security, but that's kind of like last on my list now. I consider myself successful because I'm living my life by my design. And I'm not even joking, like I do what I want to do with who I want to do because I love them, because I love what I'm doing, and it's an awesome feeling. I have today total control over my day, my decisions. I spend my day as I choose, and I'm able to help people, and I'm able to say yes just to the things that feel right and that are in alignment with my own priorities. And I attribute a great deal of that success to just adopting the habits of extremely successful people. So these are some of the things that I've learned to do. They are habits. They are part of who I am. I start my day every day by planning my day. I make my bed in the morning. I begin with a moment of gratitude. I pray. I exercise before the rest of the world wakes up and I'm not a morning person. I've learned to create a fortress around my focus. I prioritize just two to three things per day that move me forward towards my push goal. And I meditate. Well, okay. Actually, truth be told, that's the one I struggle with. It kills me. That's the one. I just can't do it. I'm like, not a mind-body girl. Slowing down is really difficult for me. And people who meditate well, gosh, I feel bad saying this, but I, I always feel like they're kind of weird. Like, don't weird people meditate? I pray. Isn't that good enough? Like I run. Isn't that, 
Isn't that the same thing as meditation? I plan my day like, dude, do I really need to meditate? But it just keeps coming up. Dang it. Every time I talk to someone who's successful about their morning routine, they say, and I meditate. Well, you, you meditate too, Shaleen, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah, kind of. So it's time for me to bite the bullet. Because if you're trying to make the perfect cake and you're leaving out one very key ingredient, the same ingredient that successful baker after successful baker seems to include in their recipe, well, then you should probably consider adding it to your own recipe. And to be honest, I just haven't truly given it my serious effort. So I told Kristen, who's our podcast manager for The Shalene Show, and she also happens to be my uh, personal life manager slash personal assistant, I told her... I need to find someone who I can learn to meditate from because I've bought the books. I've listened to the audios. I've listened to podcasts. I've read blogs and posts and I've talked to friends who do it, but I really needed somebody, somebody who could teach me how to do this. And she found him. His name is Andy Kelly. He's a reformed white collar stress case. Perfect. He's a guy's guy. With a love for all things sports, all things Boston, he was raised a Catholic, and he's not a yogi. He doesn't wear Birkenstocks. He doesn't teach yoga. And the scent of patchouli oil doesn't enter the room five minutes before he does. He's a dad. He's a normal guy. He's a dude. And he wanted to learn to do this for his family. And since that time, he's become an expert. He teaches people like me, like you, those of us who have a serious resistance against meditation. Okay, open mind, open heart, here we go. Okay, Andy, you have got your hands full today. (laughs) I will say this, though. I'm really excited to learn this because I'm convinced. I've read the science. I study people who are successful. I know this is like that one thing where I'm like, Dang it. I've got to, I've got to master this. And so I'm really excited to have you on the show because I just think you're, you're like, you're going to be my dude. You're going to help me get this. <laughs> well, I, I can't tell you how grateful I am for you to have me on the program. I'm excited because I know after this short amount of time, you will be healed. Really? Okay. Okay, so let me just start because I know I'm speaking on behalf of my lifers, people who listen to The Shalene Show. They've they've heard me talk about the importance of meditation. They've also heard me talk about the importance of daydreaming and the importance of regenerating that energy to your brain. And what mm-hmm. I love about the stuff I've read from you and your practice and your beliefs is how important it is for us to kind of manage our energy. So, yeah. so, so that we don't lose anyone right now who's like, I'm not listening to this show. I, I don't want to meditate. Let's, sure. I, I think that's probably a good portion of people, but everybody wants to be able to have more energy. So can you tell us how meditation actually gives you more energy? Sure. I think it's a, a great way to think about it is sometimes like when you have your iPhone, I'll, I'll often use the iPhone. You, you wake up in the morning, it's fully charged it's ready to go, whatever your mobile device is, it's ready to go. And then, you know, you get to about three in the afternoon and you've been on it all day and it's pretty much on empty and you're, the next call you're about to make, you're going you're gonna to drop. 
I believe that we have, uh, you know, a reserve of energy that we can tap into and strengthen during the day. And so meditation for me is plugging in my phone in the middle of the day to give me more energy. So yeah, I'm taking time away from what it is that I'm doing, but I'm actually going to gain time on the other end because I'm strengthening my attention to not be so distracted when I'm done. Hmm. Does that make sense? It does. It, you know, I just the analogy that popped into my head is, um, I don't know if you've ever driven a battery operated like golf cart or anything. Sure. And, you know, you, you it's when the battery starts to die and you still are moving, but you're moving so slow that it barely has purpose. And that if you actually just pulled over and plugged it in and recharged it, you could get there so much faster. But sometimes we don't like to slow down in order to speed up. Right. And a lot of people don't get that. And and so what we try to do is help them find ways to renew their own personal energy, because I think meditation gives that back to us. You know, you're able to shift back to your own self and recharge your own batteries. I sometimes say just drop it into neutral for 20 minutes and then don't think about anything else. It's not necessarily about, you know, coming out of it, like out of a trance or waking up and loving everyone. It's more you get the highest you know, productivity in the shortest amount of time. Well, let me preface this to those listening um, to share with them a little bit about you and your story. But I, I want to begin by saying what really had me excited about doing yeah. this call is I'm like, oh, cool. He looks like a normal dude. Like you're wearing a Boston Celtics t-shirt and, you know, you just look like your normal average guy where I think most people when they when they think of meditation, they think of someone who talks like this mm. and someone who uh, hangs out with um, Deepak Chopra right. and uh, wears all white, you know, but like you're just a dude. So how did you get into this? Well, I think it uh, really to, to, in a one in a word overworked and two words, I would say stress. So, you know, it's nobody wakes up and says, you know what, I want to be a meditation teacher, let alone, you know, meditate. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just finding that I was working, I was working in television production. So I was working seven days a week, 12 to 14 hour days. And at the time I had had, you know, a wife and a, and a baby boy at home that wanted and needed my attention. And what I found was I'd be so exhausted, I'd, I'd come home, get in front of the TV, watch the ball game, have a beer and go to bed. And only to wake up at two in the morning going, why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? I could have prepared for tomorrow better. Or I could have made the kids lunches or whatever, right? So I just wanted to find some sanity to be normal, to be like a, a nice person. And I felt like I was uh, shortchanging the people that were most important in my life, which in mm. my case was my family. So I looked at the other areas that, you know, the pillars in your life that, you know, you, you try to work yourself, you know, your family, your career, and, and what it is you're passionate about. And I never felt like I was really making a, a great contribution in, in producing what we were producing in, in, in news. You know what I mean? I just thought that I can do it. I love what I'm doing. I love the people that I'm meeting. But some days they, you could dread going into the office and you never want to be doing anything or accept anything that, that, that you dread. Um, so when I started to meditate, I realized that I was getting personally an enormous amount of joy out of that work in myself, fixing myself, you know. You talked about being stressed and overwhelmed, which I'm sure almost everyone listening can relate to. Was your first thought, oh, I know what I should do. I should meditate. I mean, I think most people think I should have a glass of wine or I should take more time off or maybe I should pick up exercise. 
Who was it or what was it about meditation that was interesting to you? So I always go back to my spiritual guru if you have to have one, right? And mine is my wife and my kids. My wife gave me a book by Deepak Chopra. And me being the Irish, the very Catholic, the sports guy uh, in Boston, thought, who is Deepak Chopra? And maybe is he related to Tupac? And did Tupac write a book on meditation? And I'm not reading this book. So <laughs> it, took a, it took a lot of, it took, I thought maybe though, I did think that I could give it to someone and that they would think, oh my God, he's so spiritually enlightened. He's giving me this book. Mm -hmm. um, but because it was from my wife, uh, I did read it and I connected with a small snippet on meditation. And really the, the fact was I had already tried, you know, obviously I, I said I, I could come home and have a few beers and fall asleep. I could wake up at two o'clock in the morning and take Tylenol PM or whatever else to help me go back to sleep. Mm -hmm. But then I wasn't making the best choices. I like to run, so I wouldn't wake up or I'd feel too groggy and I'd say, I'll run later, which never happens, right? Mm, right. So all, it would just, I saw like a cascade of bad choices being made throughout throughout the day enough to the point where I was so stressed, believe it or not, and I wasn't sleeping. And if I'm not sleeping, I'm not making good choices. Right. And I'm not, and, and I'm irritable and, and just not fun to be around. So it was enough to say, you know what, I, even though I don't want to go, I decided that my wife and I would go, uh, the Chopra Center had a, a little outfit in New York City. So we decided to go for the weekend and, and go out and learn to meditate. And I have to tell you this because it's an important part of the story because I didn't really get as much out of it as I thought I would, right? So you go to New York and, and you're spending the weekend there. You're learning how to meditate. And you think this is going to be awesome. And the two of you went together? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Who was more excited to be there? Um, of course she was. It was, so it was her idea. Okay. Got it. Now you said you didn't get a lot out of it. Did she? Yes. Okay. Did you feel like there was something wrong with you? No. And this is the problem I have with a lot of people, a lot of meditation or yoga classes is you go in there and you, you learn how to meditate. Okay. And first of all, I'm a guy. So I walk in, it's all women. Uh, it, there's, you know, nurse practitioners and physicians and psychotherapists and, and me, you know, they're all, <laughs> drinking, they're drinking jasmine tea. I'm drinking a big thing of Dunkin' Donuts. Right. <laughs> got it. So I'm sitting there and you got your hat on backwards. I got gotcha. you. Right. And we're, we're, we're all meditating and we decide it's time to start talking about experiences. And all it really did was make me more aware that I had a ton of thoughts and that I told a lot of stories in my head. And sometimes I wished I didn't know that, that I was probably better off just, you know, driving the car with, with my pedal to the metal with the emergency breakup. I would still get places even though I'd do a lot of wear and tear on my body. But when they started to talk about their experiences, you would hear things like, oh, I just let go of all my thoughts. And now I think, one, I didn't do it right. Mm -hmm. Then they'd say things like, I just felt like uh, I saw, uh, you know, wrapped in this blanket of bliss or all these uh, ponies and rainbows and all this <laughs> stuff, which I'm sure did happen. And I might be exaggerating slightly, but um, none of that happened to me. And in fact, even retelling the story right now, I can feel a little bit constricted in what my expectations were. And so because, you know, we, we spent the weekend, we spent some money to, to go do this. I said, I'll do it for 30 days. I'll give it the college try. And I'd really sit for 20 minutes in the morning. I'd wake up in the morning early, which I wasn't an early morning person. I would do this. I would wake up early. I'd meditate for 20 minutes and just go about my day. Then I would, uh, you know, take a break sometime in the afternoon when I'd start to feel myself tired around 3.34 in the afternoon, go sit in my car or go into my office, shut the blinds, shut the door and meditate for 20 minutes and then just go about my day. And about a weekend, um, my wife, not even me, started to notice that I wasn't getting up in the middle of the night. Mm. 
Mm. And so that was a huge turning point for me, even though I didn't even want to admit it then because it was only a week in. And here I am saying, if I can get six hours of solid sleep a night, then I can handle any stress thrown at me during the day. So that was the number one reason I kept with it for the 30 days. I don't know if I would have lasted if I wasn't sleeping soundly. And so that for me was a, was a big reason. And then after a month of it, I started to notice that all of these little things in my life were changing. Like I was becoming more mentally flexible with people that come into your office, you know, and you know what they want and you're already judging them and you know why they need a day off. And I was able to step back a little bit and put a little space between what was really going on in my mind and the story I was telling me and what was really going on in that moment, which was totally different. Wow. Okay. Now I've never done this before and I don't know if you have Andy, but, but I think it's really useful because it's where my brain wants to go. Mm-hmm. I want to hit you with like 10 rapid fire objections to why I think most people reject meditation. And if you will, I want you to give me the like almost a yes, no. And then I'll let you pick the one that you think is most important for us to go into first. Okay, let's do this. Are you down with that? I am. Okay, cool. Um, <laughs> do I have to be religious to meditate? No. Does it violate my religion if I'm, you know, Catholic or Christian? Is there something I should be aware of that I shouldn't be meditating? No, it enhances it. Okay. Do I have to close my eyes and be sitting like on a white pillow with incense in the background? Absolutely not. Do I have to close my eyes? Nope. Um, is it about emptying my mind? No, not at all. Okay. And do I have to do this at a certain time of day? No, no. Is there more than one style of meditation? Yes, a, a gazillion. <laughs> ah, this is a, this is fun. This is fun. Okay, and from what I've heard, you've you've just got to practice it to get good at it. Is that true? Yes. And how soon can the? Obviously, some people are going to probably find it transformational. But on average, in your practice, as someone who teaches this to the masses, to executives, to children in school, all ages, all ranges. In your experience, how often does the average person, how long does it take for them to experience the benefits of meditation? I would say 30 days if you're doing it, and I use the working word religiously, loosely here, uh, twice a a day. Wow. Okay. So see, like to me, I just have to tell you that's discouraging. So I'm not even going to feel any benefits unless I'm doing this twice a day for 30 days. No, I'm just saying that's what happened from my experience. And I what, I, what, I, what I find from most people, too, particularly um, teenage boys and, and men, mm-hmm. I think women, believe it or not, are at a different set point. They tend to get it a lot quicker. Hmm. And I would say some, some people report it right away, immediately, the benefits, uh, and some people see it a, a weekend. So everyone's different. So I just go with what, what I know. And I know that uh, the science that backs up what, what I'm saying is that in just as little as a month of doing something repetitive twice a day that you get once you get good at it and you practice over time you're developing those neural networks in the brain that actually strengthen your attention your memory and your empathy and who doesn't want more of those three things exactly now just as i would explain to anyone who's thinking about starting an exercise program and to say to them you know just get yourself moving a couple times a week maybe 30 minutes each time that might provide for you some real results. But in order to transform your body, you've got to do more than that. But at a minimum, would people be able to expect some type of benefit if they were just doing it once a day? Yeah, I sometimes will say it's like treading water. Like you, you want you can tread water, right? Or you can swim. 
And sometimes mm. for me, I don't, I don't get the second one in. Um, but sometimes I supplement it with something else, something mm. that, that actually uses the same neural networks like yoga, like running, like exercise or some form uh, of connecting with an objective and then not losing your focus. So ah. there's so, so many different ways to meditate and use mindfulness. And I think maybe it's helpful to kind of get into that a little bit. Yes, okay, and that's where I wanna go next. But my last question before we go there, is there a particular minimum length of time? Ah, uh, yes, there's new, there's science out there to support that you can, that you can, uh, you can get uh, uh, the same neural growth with 10 minutes twice a day, right? But there's also, uh, I think, I don't know if it was published, but I read something uh, somewhere, I think it was out of Stanford, so you can't, I don't, I don't think I have this support material that has it down to six. Mm. But I, I can't stand saying stuff like that because for me, and, and, and someone who is a leader in the, the, the fitness and the exercise uh, industry, I need to know, you know, some type of not wanting to do it to understand why I'm doing it. It's like when I go out for a run, I can talk myself out of it at the first 13 minutes. I can say, I got to go back. I got to do the laundry. I got to do X. I got to do this, Y, y and Z. But if I can get past that 13 minutes, for me, I can run for hours. Mm. Where And when I'm meditating, I need to know that I'm going to go through a little bit of discomfort because that's part of life. And if I can get through that five, first five, six minutes of meditation and kind of over that hump and into a rhythm, then I know that not only am I getting the benefit, but then you start to feel some of that relaxation. Okay. Well, you have been very cooperative and you did an exceptional job in my rapid fire questions. Thank you for that. So which of those areas do you think is most useful for us to explore so that we can start to ad adopt this into our, you know, twice a day daily lives? Well, it's funny. It, there was every single one I wanted. I was really biting my tongue, and then I tongue mm. and then I, I obviously gave up towards the end. And I think what's <laughs> hard is is that people don't have the time, right? That's the number one thing that anyone says to me. I don't. Mm. I don't have the time. And so usually, what I'll say is, okay, well, do you have ten minutes? Nope. You don't have ten minutes to devote to your to yourself, all right? And then, I, then, I, then I, I have to take it back a step further. Is like, well, well, then why do you want to meditate? Mm. Right? Yeah. Because the why is the reason that you'll sit on the days you don't feel like sitting. Mm. If you can figure out why you want to meditate, do you want more, you know, do you want to improve your focus? Do you want a better memory? Do, do you want to enhance your life in a more balanced and, and loving way? Then your why, you know, write that down. And I would also suggest don't write down the first things that comes to mind because they're usually, I, I don't trust them. <laughs> it's usually just something that I was conditioned to say. Interesting. Or what I should think. So I write down why I want to meditate and then I say, okay, well then let's just get some consistency going. Let's get some consistency going. Try to do it just today, twice a day, five minutes in the morning, five minutes in the afternoon. And in fact, I'd rather you do five minutes in the morning and five minutes in the afternoon because the brain wants to build on that stability of knowing that you're going to be doing something repeated. And it doesn't really like when, um, you know, when it's not used to something. So it's mm. going to try to try to talk you out of it anyway, mm. particularly if it's a new healthy habit that doesn't feel like you're doing anything. So if you sit for just five minutes, get used to it in the morning. And then again, later on, it's better than sitting for 10 minutes at once. Okay. So I want to pretend for a moment selfishly that this is just me calling you for a consultation. And I'm begging you, Andy, to help me 
master this because I've tried and mm-hmm. I, and I didn't here's here's how it went. Um, okay, I read a bunch of articles, I've picked up a couple of books, I've talked to plenty of friends, and I just decided to sit calmly and try for five minutes to just sit there calmly. And very quickly, I found myself on my phone searching through the podcast for a guided meditation. And I'm mm. like, oh, cool, this is great. And then I started listening to a guided meditation and I was kind of like weirded out by the guy's voice. <laughs> and he started talking about being like enveloped in an egg. I'm like, why am I in an egg? Like right, I can't right. even think right now while I'm in, why am I in an egg? You know? Right, and right. so that was the extent of it. Then I, d- then I convinced myself, you know what? When I'm running, I'm just thinking and letting my mind go where it might go. So does that count as meditation? And I assume it doesn't. I just, I just, okay, coach well, me, coach well, me through this. There's so much, so much in there. Um, part of it is like, like guided meditations can be great if you like, like you, but you got to find the one that you like. And that could take some time. The, pro- the, the fact is, is that we're constantly distracted by our mobile phones, by te- technology, that our brains actually in the prefrontal cortex needs that stimulation. And maybe you're that type of person, which I am sometimes, that if I'm too tired, I need someone to tell me exactly what to do. Mm. If you can tell me exactly what to do every time I get distracted, then that's great. Now, there are some, unfortunately, people out there that do other types of meditations that I that I don't teach, but they find great value in them. So I'm not I'm not putting them down. I'm just sure. saying I don't I don't I'm not a very visual person, so I don't take people on sightseeing tours to the mountains or, <laughs> or, or anything because I want them to be able to deal with right now in this moment. And yeah. you, usually whenever you take someone on a sightseeing tour, uh, they're longing to be someplace that they don't want to be, which is mm. 90%, 90% of what we already do during the day. I don't need help with that. Yeah. Um, what I need help is, is to focus on one particular thing and then notice when I'm distracted. And so, um, Talk, okay, but talk to me. So tomorrow, I want you to coach me through like tonight. I'm gonna, I want to meditate okay. for my first five minutes. Tell me what to do. All right. So you're going to set a timer on your phone, right? Okay. One that not a jarring, just get like a bell or, or something gentle. Right? You're going to sit and then um, you're going to notice that you're breathing. You're kind of going to become a detective kind of and say, oh, wow, I've never noticed that I'm breathing right now. I need, I need more specifics. Where am I sitting? What's in the room? Are my eyes open, closed? Ah, this is great. This is great. So you're going to sit wherever you want. Mm. You're going to get as comfortable as you want. A lot of the times people say you have to sit in that cross-legged position and I understand why. You know, they want you to be proud of yourself and, and hold yourself high and get the oxygen flowing to the brain. But the reality is yogis sat on the floor cross-legged because they didn't have comfortable couches they didn't have comfortable <laughs> chairs okay so, love it. so we sit in a chair and if we're cold guess what we do we put a blanket over us if we're have an itch we scratch it and we can close our eyes or, or i suggest in the beginning eliminating as many obstacles as, as possible so while you don't have to close your eyes and meditate i suggest that you do okay so you close your eyes, you're as comfortable as can be, you're sitting in a chair, you, your head's kind of up if you can, not recline back, is really what I would say. But the bottom line is, if you're not comfortable, you're not going to meditate tomorrow. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it, it's not going to be good for me if you only do it once. So you're as comfortable as you can, you start to become aware that you're breathing by paying attention to, I'm going to make up a word right now, right? You're going okay. to pay attention to this nonsense word called so hum. So it's S-O-H-U-M. And this is why. So your brain wants to know that you're doing it right. And if you're thinking of this nonsense word, then you're doing it right. Hmm. 
Is that something you learned, that word soham, or did you just make that up? Yeah, soham, it actually translates to I am, but what I'm trying to do is not get you to identify with the I am, because what will happen is you'll say, I, I am what? I true, am, true. You know what I mean? So yeah. I'm trying to make it as, as a pattern interrupt almost, okay. right? So you're sitting and you're just gently reciting as relaxed as possible, you're noticing your breathing, and then all of a sudden, you just start thinking of this mantra Soham, right? This is going to stabilize your focus. So this gathers all your attention and you're focused on Soham. At some point, you'll be sitting there and it doesn't matter. It can be Soham, 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 or as easy as Soham. Am I saying this out loud or am I thinking this? No, you're just thinking it silently in your mind. Okay. And you're, as you think this uh, mantra, right, there will come a point where your mind will get distracted. Mm -hmm. It has no choice. Your mind's job is to produce thoughts. So you're focused on the mantra, and then you're distracted. Mm -hmm. As soon as you notice you're distracted, right? And it's usually a sound outside in the environment, some thought or story you're telling in your mind, mm -hmm. or some physical sensation that says that this is, this is not for me, I want to get up and move away. As soon as any of those three ha things happen, your mind has been uh, distracted. And as soon as you become aware of that, now that's the magic moment of mindfulness, because now you have a choice. Now you have a choice to either stay distracted and numb out to the experience for the five minutes or come back to the mantra, come back mm. to whatever your focus is. And so the process never changes. I mean, every meditation kind of follows that rule. I, I would say 90% of meditation, you have a focus, your mind wanders, you become aware that your mind wanders, you bring it back to the focus. And so that's why if you're able to do that until the timer goes off and then you don't think about all the, you know, the stories that you told in your head, what you're actually doing is you're building space between the what, what Viktor Frankl would call the stimulus and the response. Mm -hmm. And so we, we have all the stimulus throughout the day and we're constantly bombarded with stimulus. And what we want to do is just make a little space before we react to everything. Okay. Right? So just to back up, because I know my lifers love the step-by-step -step tutorial. We're going to set a timer on our phone. We're also going to turn our phone to airplane mode, right? So that we're not so smart, not hearing any sounds and we're not expecting any because we do know that the brain went, if it knows that there could, it could receive a message to our phone, we're, we're automatically distracted. So we're going to put it on airplane mode. We're going to set our timer for five minutes. We will sit comfortably with eyes closed. We'll use the word or term so hum and use that term each time we real, we recognize that we've kind of drifted it off and started to daydream. Is that accurate? Mm -hmm. Okay. Yes. Yep. And then, so, so my five minutes is up. How do I know when I'm getting better at this? Over time, you'll start to see that the stories that you tell in your mind are just stories. And if you can start to see them as stories in your meditation, you naturally start to see them in the rest of your day. I, don't, un I don't understand that. Okay, so in your mind, we, we, you know, we have facts and we have stories. Okay. Uh, we usually mistake the facts mm -hmm. uh, for the story. So we're constantly telling these stories because the mind likes to, you know, keep us alive and it wants to tell these stories. And so uh, I'll give you a, a, an example. Um, in one of my meditations, I could be thinking of my boss who is uh, usually so nice to me. But lately, she's not talking to me. And she's sending me emails at 3 in the morning and texting me at 5. And who is she to think that I'm going to be up at that hour? And why should I answer these emails? And I've done everything. Doesn't she know how hard I work, right? And so that's the story, right? Mm -hmm. That's in one of my meditations. Okay. And then, then I come back to the Soham and then I go into the office. And then the reality is uh, my boss only trusts me. Um, her, her kid is sick in the hospital. 
um, she emailed me and texted me early in the morning because she realized she wasn't going to be in the next day and only trusted me to do that. That's the facts. But we constantly can't strip away the story because we're, we're hooked on it. And so how it, does meditation help me to make sense of um, a story that's very fictional? You become aware by repeating this word. So every time you start to tell a story, it'll start off like, um, you know, uh, Frank is a real jerk. So hum. He really went out of his way to, to throw me under the bus. So hum. I bet he planned it. So hum. So it's almost like a, a word that says, you know, like wipe it away, strip it away. It, it just, I like it. It brings you back. Yeah, it brings you, it trains your mind to focus on the present moment. And it also tells you when you start to drift into to these stories that we weave. And pretty soon it's, you know, you go to say Frank is a real, Frank is, you know, uh, uh, I'm creating this story about mm. Frank. So if I'm going to do five minutes in the morning, um, my morning routine now is I wake up, I um, I listen to a podcast, usually some type of personal development. I go and I exercise. I come home at around 6.45. I spend 15 to 20 minutes creating. Um, well, first, I will often pray in my car because it's silent mm -hmm. there. And then I will create my to-do list for the day, also in the solitude and quietness of my car. And then I go inside and, and join my family. And, and so like I start helping with my husband to get the kids breakfast and lunch ready and, and interact with family before they're off to school. But based on what I've just described to you, should I meditate mid-morning? Should I meditate before I start listening to a podcast? Here's what, what I do. And then you, I, I say there's not a perfect time to meditate. It's finding your own time where you're not going to feel the pull of a million different things. And for me, once my kids wake up, my day is shot. So <laughs> I, need, I, need to, I need to become that morning person. So I get up early and I backed it up. I started with five minutes and now I do it up to, to you know, 20 to 30 minutes in the morning. And what I'll do is I'll just get up super early and do that because that's the time where most of my lists are coming in. Most of the stuff I need to do, most of the stories start to generate is right when I wake mm -hmm. up of all the reasons why I can't be sitting. And it's a great way to strengthen that muscle um, early in the morning. And then that way, I'm ready to use, you know, that that stillness that I'm bringing back into the day a little bit with me until I run out of gas at like two, three, and I then I do it again. Ah. So it's finding the times in the day where you're starting to run out of gas. You start to notice if you're, uh, you know, a little bit aggravated, irritated, angry, lonely, tired, whatever, what, all of those fun little things that you start to see, you know what, I could probably choose to, to be more productive if I very sit. Very good. Very good. Because I was just thinking to myself, okay, I'll, I will meditate in the morning. Um, and then I'll try meditating again in the evening just before I go to bed. But it seems as though, for me, I would probably benefit from doing it like around four o'clock, which is when most people feel that like mid-afternoon, I need to eat because I'm tired. I, you know, like you kind of need to get your second wind. And if I'm hearing you correctly, you benefit more when you can use that recharge while you're awake. Yeah, absolutely. And people say, can I do it before bed? Yeah, but you can also run into two issues. You could all, all of a sudden get more energy mm. and then not be able to fall asleep. Or you could start to tackle a project at 11 o'clock at night and all of a sudden run out of gas at two and be like, oh my gosh, now my next day is kind of uh, off its pattern. So I always use it as a, as a way to recharge. And it's usually when I'm struggling with, with some communication. I'll notice I don't want to hurt this person's feelings, but I'm speaking from the heart and this person wronged me in this way or the other. And should I write this note? And then I was like, you know what? You should do step away and meditate. 
So where does someone do this who works in a busy office environment? It's so funny. And this is coming, remember, from a guy that didn't even want anyone to know I was meditating when <laughs> I first started. So I've come right. a long way. I've come a long way. Um, I used to uh, go out to my car, uh, put my earbuds in and uh, put sunglasses on. And whether I was listening to a guided meditation or not, I would sit there and just feel more comfortable uh, in a parking lot because in my office, although I did have an office with a door, but if people saw me in there or my, you know, I didn't remember to turn my monitor off or put on an airplane mode, there's just too many distractions. Mm-hmm. And then it got to the point where I got comfortable. Like that real authentic you starts to come back, I say. Uh, the one that's always afraid the, the, to make mistakes, is particularly in an office environment, starts to shed away and then you don't then you stop caring and you know it's more about why you're trying to do it um and then i can meditate in the office but i say you can pretty much meditate anywhere because you need uh, to hear a noise in the mm. environment to, oh. to know that to know that you're not focused on the mantra you need to know that you're thinking to not to know it's training the mind to come back to whatever's going on in that moment if someone's knocking at the door that's a little jarring so i say try to isolate the the in the beginning, you're going to want to isolate your surroundings. So are you suggesting that I not do it with in pure silence with noise-canceling headphones, um, that I, you know, you try to do it where there, there might be ambient sound? I try to do it in, uh, like that, but, but I'd be lying if I said I didn't try exactly that when I first started meditating because mm. I did. Mm. I did. I wanted, I wanted to control, and I also live in a house with a kid that loves to bounce a basketball, so <laughs> I, uh, I, I, I don't want to hear that. So, yeah, I will use that, or I'll use some calming uh, white noise or, you know, uh, bowls or bells or something that sounds nice, just anything that doesn't have lyrics, okay. nothing that will engage your mind into the story. Do you have a, a recommendation of a type of track or maybe a CD or an artist? If you go on, uh, iTunes has a, a one called Tibetan Bowls. And if you just type that in, it's a uh, Tibetan Bowls for guided meditations. Cool. That's a, a, a great one because you don't know when they're coming. And they're mm. exact, and exact, you know what, they're 20 and 30 minutes. Oh. So if you, if you just set it and forget it, kind of. Okay. I'm going to do this. I have one last question. I know we're running up on the end of our time together, but that is, um, actually, I have two questions. I lied. First sure. is, am I doing it wrong if I feel like I'm going to fall asleep? Uh, in the beginning, no, because here's the deal. We've gone so much of our lives going, 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 right? And now I'm telling you, okay, I want you to sit. I want you to close your eyes and not do anything. Now, your body's going to do two things. It's going to ramp up your thoughts one way, or it's going to shut you down because you're just physically accumulated so much stress throughout our lives and our days that the body just will naturally shut down. So if you're doing this every day, twice a day, you will definitely fall asleep for that first month, and that's okay. And again, remember, this is from the guy who was only doing it because he was a horrible sleeper. So I was like, that's got to be bull. I I don't buy that. And now I'm nervous that I'm not going to be falling asleep if I'm falling asleep during my meditations. But your body has a way of kind of rebalancing itself, reconnecting the mind with the body, and it's an excellent barometer to know later on like months down the road if you're still with this that if you're falling asleep it's most likely because you either had a hard workout or a very stressful day and you start to use your body more as a barometer a way to feel your way through the you know, the present moment in the day as opposed to just reacting to it and crashing at the end of the day my last question is one of pure resistance i'm just going to tell you i'm going to call it like it is but is there science to support that 
there's more benefit to actually doing this kind of concentration work with your eyes closed, what we're, which we're calling meditation, versus sitting quietly for 10 minutes with your eyes closed in prayer. Like, is there science to tell me that one is better for my brain than the other? Not that I know of. And you know what, to be honest, the if you look at both both of them, right, a lot of the times you'll, you'll say that meditation for me and as a Catholic, this has been huge for me because I had a tough time and just my own Catholic upbringing, uh, someone that went to church all the time and then I, I stopped doing it because we were interviewing a lot during the, 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 their infamous sex uh, scandal in the late 90s. So I was interviewing mm. a lot of these people. So I distanced myself and when I started meditating, I actually have a much stronger faith now and I've come back because you, they're really two separate things. When I'm meditating, I'm really, you know, listening to God in a way. Okay. I'm listening. Whereas when I'm when I'm praying, I'm talking, or I want something, oh. and I'm holding I'm holding my mind at that level of the the intellect. So there's like a di almost like a dialogue, right? Both of them have a similar output. You can't deny I can't deny the fact that how good I feel when I'm not meditating. Well, I mean, when I'm done meditating, I feel great. And I also can't deny the fact when I leave church how good I feel. Maybe until I get into the parking lot and cut somebody cuts you off. But <laughs> no, that's really beautiful. It's really beautiful, and I thank you for that. That it's really insightful. That helps a lot. This has been incredibly insightful. I think we need to do a challenge. As as people who are listening to The Shalene Show, I think we need to do a challenge. So I'm going to post something up on my Facebook wall. You'll have to scroll through it uh, to look on my Facebook wall. Find that post about our meditation challenge and let me know that you've listened to this episode and that you are. we're going to do it. We're going to do it twice a day. Shalene, I am in. Okay, awesome. Well, Andy, <laughs> I, I promise you, I'm going to do it twice a day. I am a, a woman of her word, five minutes each, and I will report back to you. In fact, let's journal about it, okay? Everybody just, you know, write down your thoughts each day, what, how well you thought you did, um, what it made you feel, and we'll we'll go 30 days and see how it goes. Andy, where can people learn more about your services and what it is you offer? Uh, well, you can definitely find me online at the thebostonbuddha.com. I'm also the Boston Buddha on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, but one more thing, can I just add in while you're journaling? Uh -huh. I want pe people to be writing down, not necessarily, I don't care what happens in the meditation. I want to know also what, what's happening. Is your day a little bit easier? Are, are things going a little bit easier? And are you able to let some of the stress roll off your back a little mm. bit more outside of meditation? I think it's far more valuable. I love that. Okay, that sounds great. So in general, we want to give ourselves kind of a rating on the day. Like, was it a lighter day? Were we able to handle setbacks and arguments or distractions a little easier and just kind of figure out as we go through this challenge how our meditation is making that easier to deal with? This has been fantastic. Thank you so much, Andy, for your wisdom. Thank you for guiding me through this. Thank you for coaching me. And thank you for challenging me to do this. Uh, you are the best, Shalene. I totally enjoyed this call. I hope to do it again. Awesome. Well, that was super helpful. I don't know about you, but that answered a lot of questions for me. It helped me to lower my resistance, and I'm going to do this. If you're with me, I'm going to ask you to go to my Facebook wall. Now, depending upon when you're listening to this episode, you may have to scroll through and look for the post that I did on today's date, May 28th. So scroll back to May 28th, find the post on meditation and commit to doing 30 days of this, twice a day, five minutes. Now, here's what you need to understand. If you hit your mark 80% of the days, you win. 
That means mission accomplished. You succeeded. You don't have to do 30 days, twice a day, five minutes each time. I just need you to hit the mark 80% of the time. Now, I downloaded the app called Relax Melodies, and it has a little timer along with like a very soft bell that increases with intensity as the alarm continues. And I'm going to start my challenge tonight. I hope you'll join me. If you will, please jump on my Facebook wall. Let me know that you are down for the challenge and we can keep going back to that particular post and to do exactly what Andy suggested, which was to just kind of keep track of how we are able to deal with life's stresses. Like, is it helping you overall in your general ability to deal with life's up and downs, like to be more calm? Like I, my why is my family. I have a difficult time when my focus is interrupted. So what I'm going to do is meditate. My goal is to meditate every day, like around four or five o'clock. I think that's really going to help my family. They are going to be my why. I'm excited to try this and I'm really excited to have you join me. This episode has been sponsored by CourageousConfidenceClub.com. It's a club that I've created specifically to help people who struggle with confidence and insecurities and social settings and, and just standing up for themselves, being yourself and feeling good about it. All of us could benefit from having more confidence. I'd love for you to just experience a taste of it. So please be my guest by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. Now, if you don't feel like writing that web address down or remembering to go there later, all you have to do is while you're listening from your phone, send me a text message. The number is 949-565-4337. And that is for U.S. residents. Then just send me the word confidence and I will send you access to this video. This video will help you to eliminate self-doubt and just feel more confident in any situation, whether it's work or personal or just your social interactions. Every one of us can benefit from having more confidence. There you'll submit your email address and I will immediately send to your inbox my latest training video where I teach you step-by-step step how to feel more confident in just about any social setting. I think you'll find this incredibly useful, whether it's business or personal or just in your everyday interactions. Confidence is something that makes life easier. It helps you to raise more confident, self-efficient children. It allows us to speak our mind, to stand up for ourselves, to do the things that otherwise we are paralyzed by fear and we just allow our own thoughts to stop us. By learning how to overcome self-doubt and fear of success, you can become that confident person that others are attracted to. The person you want to be, the person you deserve to be, the person you know is inside of you. So thank you for checking out my free tools by going to shaleenjohnson.com forward slash confidence tips. 